What's up, everyone? Welcome back to 614 Headsets. We're your three hosts from the 614 area, Columbus, Ohio. Ryan, say what's up. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us again. We're excited for this one, especially we're back-to-back Texas coaches. Uh, This Mm -hmm. one's going to be great. Donovan. What's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday night. I guess technically Thursday listening to us. Glad you're joining us for episode seven. Yeah, and myself, Kyle Stout. Hey, Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love, and we couldn't agree more. This game's a lifestyle, and we consider our show a movement at lifestyle. Uh, we have to be absolutely obsessed with this game. We all had practice today. We're all on here hopping on the late night, talking our favorite game and everything. So that's absolutely what this show and what we're about. Uh, Donovan, talk to us about what episode seven, the Play Callers Club, is going to be all about. We are going to talk with Coach Dan Casey, of course. We'll get into a little bit about him and his background here soon. Off, ask him some interesting and tough questions in our pick six segment. Uh, we're going to go through some of our favorite moments of all time, college football or NFL. I got a little blend of both. And then we're going to do a deep dive into the Play Callers Club. Uh, and look at some offensive concepts specifically with Coach Casey. So really excited for today's episode. Let's do it, man. Before we get started, this show is brought to you by Fundraising University. Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system, will help your team maximize profits as the current coach himself, Brent Maxwell, with Fundraising University will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser that will allow you as a coach to focus on your practice time, prep time, player development, and personal time. Fundraising University Ohio offers 60-minute donation platforms where you'll guarantee to be have your money back in eight days. The digital and hard discount cards and Fundraising University put all the work in for you. If you're interested in us running a fundraiser for you, please contact Brent Maxwell at bmaxwell at fundraisingu.net or 740-501-8946 to learn uh, how to get started with fundraising. Brent's still looking for teams this summer. I know he was talking to some around us. He just got done doing a big fundraiser for Zanesville uh, High School as well. Uh, And thanks to Brent, our show just got some massive upgrades that we're excited about Mm -hmm. to go mobile as well. So if you want to be the best, hook up with the best. Reach out to Brent. Uh, Without further ado, Donovan, let's introduce the world to almost a man who needs no introduction. Mm -hmm. Coach Dan Casey, we appreciate you being on this show. We really do. You got a huge presence in the coaching community on social media, on Twitter and and obviously, you got all the swag and everything we see in the background. You got to, you got to, you jumped on and we're like, that is a clean setup. I'm still working <laughs> on mine in the background, but way know, cleaner we, than yours. Yeah. Really that appreciate you having us, having on, uh, coming on with us. Give us your background, you know, how you got into coaching, where you're from, uh, where you're at now, and just kind of walk us through your career and, and how you got to this point. For sure, man. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. I uh, got a soft spot in my heart for Ohio guys. I played with a bunch of Ohio guys at uh, Davidson College when I where I where I came up, and some of my favorite teammates are from Ohio, uh, Columbus area, Cincinnati, different places like that. Um, we actually played com- a conference game when I was at Davidson Pioneer Football League at Dayton University. So I've made mm-hmm. made some trips up to Ohio in my day, but it's it's been a minute. But I appreciate you guys having me on and. Yeah, so I'll give you the real quick SparkNotes version of kind of how I got into coaching. Uh, Like I said, played at Davidson College. I was a high school quarterback, and as soon as I set foot on campus, I realized I had a candy arm, and uh, it wasn't going to work out for me at quarterback. So switched over to the defense, um, got to play a lot on a team that really struggled. Um, So I'm, you know, this is – when I was coming up in in playing, it was really like the 2010 to 2014 era. So if you can put yourself in a time (laughs) machine that's like – the tail end of like Chip Kelly at Oregon. That's, um, you know, the Bryles system at uh, Baylor. You know, it's just people like running no huddle, you know, snapping the ball 100 times a game. And I'm playing DB against these offenses in our conference that are basically trying to trying to copycat all of these offenses that are playing these blur paces. So I've got my tongue hanging out every game, just dog tired, miserable. 
And I promised myself as soon as I finished playing that I would never be on the defensive side of the ball again. It was just a terrible experience. Um, so no, I, in, in all seriousness, I, I loved my time playing defense and it, and it gave me a great perspective. But when I got to coaching, I think I really had a desire to be back on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I ended up making the decision to go to graduate school. I went actually went to seminary at Duke University, um, thought I might become a pastor. And within about two weeks of being on campus, I just missed football like crazy. It was I needed to be back on the field. So I just started cold calling and emailing every coach in the Durham, North Carolina area, area and just saying, hey, I'll do anything. I'll I'll paint the fields. I'll, I'll just come volunteer. You don't have to pay me anything. I'll do anything. And um, as we all know, as coaches, we get busy. We aren't always good at checking our email. I got ghosted, like no responses from a single coach in the Durham area. So um, I kind of got got froze out that first year and uh, but was really still just trying to find a way to get involved. And so the following year, I got hired by a private school in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is kind of neighbors to to Durham. And uh, they hired me. And when I showed up, uh, they told me, oh, we actually play eight man football. And I was like, whoa, I know nothing about eight-man football. Um, so that first year was a huge learning experience for me. I was just kind of helping out, doing anything I could. I was 23 years old. Um, year two comes, and they decided to part ways with the head coach and asked to interview interview me to be a head coach. And so I'm thinking, whoa, I'm, I'm way out of my depth here. Even with eight-man football, like trying to jump in and be a head coach seemed like a, a huge step. So I ended up interviewing, getting the job, and um, took over as head coach at 24 years old. Uh, just a young pup trying to figure things out, trying to still learn eight-man football. Um, we had a, a great run there at St. David's, sent some kids to go play college football from eight-man, which was awesome. In fact, one of my kids is still playing at Campbell University, an FCS school in uh, Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, and uh, scored his first touchdown last year, which was a huge deal. Not, not many eight-man guys get to make the jump like that, uh, but it was a great experience. I was a head coach and offensive coordinator there for five years, um, and, and it was – honestly, like the greatest learning experience I could have imagined. It was, I had to do everything from scratch. There, I, there was no plug and play. There was no, Hey, I'm going to rip, um, you know, Chad Morris's playbook from Clemson off the internet and install it with my guys. It was all like from the ground up trying to learn the game. And, and I think I learned a lot of foundational football there. The only problem was I was the only coach on campus. So I had some off campus coaches that would come in and <clears throat> kind of parachute in for practice. Um, but I just needed some, some people to talk football with. I couldn't go down to the history teacher and get on the board and, and diagram things or anything like that. And so that's really where um, Twitter started for me. It was a way for me to inter interact with coaches as much as I could and ask questions and post the things I like and uh, demonstrate really publicly how stupid I was about football and football coaches are real quick to correct you too. So if you ever make a mistake, you know, they're going to, they're going to set you straight. So uh, it was it was great, man. And then uh, had the opportunity to come down here to uh, coach in Texas with Episcopal High School. Coach Steve Lease is a legend down here. He's been the head coach of, you know, Adidas All-American Games and Under Armour All-American Games. He sent guys to the NFL. He's he's awesome. And uh, he gave me a chance to run the offense down here. And it was it was time. I think I was ready to kind of get on to the next challenge. And I've, I've really enjoyed my time down here in Texas so far. So that's kind of the Spark Notes version. As, as we talk about some of those things, there's, there's two things I want to jump into. One, give me a year. Like, when did you start this, what you're doing social media-wise, which is probably how almost everybody knows you. Roundabout, when did that start? So it probably would have been the fall of 2016. Okay. Is when I when I got started. And at what point did it – so 2016, what point did it start to become this – I don't know, business or however sure. you want to coin yeah. it. The, the coachdancasey.com, everything you've got going on, when did it, what was the aha moment or when did it transition into that? So, you know, when I first got started, it was really, you know, just a labor of love, like love researching football and putting stuff out there, still do to this day. Um, and really it was a way for me to connect with college coaches and, you know, get my kids recruited. And it was kind of, it, that was kind of the genesis of it. But then I realized that there was a, a huge need in the coaching community for um, really high quality curated content. There's so much out there, but trying to wade through the amount of information that's on the Internet to stuff that can actually help you is actually pretty difficult to do. I know that firsthand from scouring the Internet for everything in existence. Um, and so, you know, I always I kind of took it from the approach of 
when I was a young coach, what did I want? What did I need? Um, and that was kind of where, where it started. And it really didn't start off as a business. What it started off as is, was just helping people. Um, but you know, when I, when I started a, a family a, a few years back, I realized just, you know, how valuable my time was. And I had just been giving quite a bit of my time, you know, for free. And, and I still do that for sure, without a doubt, but I wanted to find a way to kind of make it feel right for my wife and my family, for me to be spending so much time doing something. Um, cause it was literally, you know, I would teach during the day, but, um, pretty much sun up to sundown, I was, I was working on stuff. And so I really needed it to make sense, um, for, for me to continue doing that. Um, and so really it was kind of at a crossroads of, do I go coaching college or do I stay at the high school level and explore some entrepreneurial itches that I have? And, um, you know, with starting a family and having two young kids, I figured that, uh, that was, that was kind of the route I wanted to take at this point. I love it. Cause you, you naturally kind of already touched on something I was going to ask you later. So I have one kid, our second kid's on the way. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. We've started this. What's one piece of advice you could give us about balancing all that? Cause I know you have two kids as well. Correct. No doubt. How, how do no you, doubt. give me some advice. How, how do you balance it all? Or what would you tell somebody? It's a great question. Um, and I've thought a lot about this. In fact, with our podcast, the coaches collective, we've talked with a bunch of coaches and that's like a question. That's kind of like our, our big question we ask at the end of every episode with all these high profile guys is like, how do you balance everything? How are you a good dad and a good coach? Cause those are hard things to be. They take both take a lot of, uh, a lot of time and attention and energy. And, uh, I think what I've found personally is, um, and, and I don't know, I know everyone's kind of on, different uh, places with this, but I don't necessarily believe in time management. I believe in uh, energy management. Um, So, you know, certain things are going to take a lot of time, but um, I always try to reserve my best energy for my kids and for like when we're on the practice field. So I try to bring my best self in those, in those moments. Cause I know, you know, with all we have going on, it's really easy to spend our energy in all these different places. And so I always try to like kind of keep myself as fresh as possible for interacting with my kids and for um, interacting with the guys that I, that I coach on the field. Um, and obviously my wife is hundred percent in the mix with that as well with, and I kind of group family all, all together. Um, but just really kind of given, given your best energy to the things that matter most to you. Cause sometimes during the season it is long hours um, and you know, we can't give the amount of time that we want to give to certain things, but we can give the energy. And that's kind of, that's been a big thing for me. I I know it sounds really simple, but you know, the first thing I try to do when I walk in the door from football practice is like literally get on the floor and play with my kids, like change the level um, of my physical body and like get on the floor, uh, build Legos, do different things like that. And just let them know that I'm like, I'm locked into their world. Um, and I think I try to do the same thing on the field of just, you know, not trying to come out to the field with my players as I'm, I'm in charge and you, you guys are playing for me, but trying to get on their level and um, letting them know that it's a, it's a team effort. And I, and I want, I want us to be co-working for our goals. I love that. That's perfect. Um, <clears throat> Coach, I love that you said that you jumped right in at 24 with like, who came to you and asked you to like be a head coach? Cause I, I right now I'm a, I'm 27. I'm a head coach. I was, I got there, there I was go. 24. I've been here for three years now. So it's the same thing. So um, I, 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 I love it. Cause I jumped right into it and had no clue what I was doing. None. <laughs> no, man. I think, I think those are the best situations. Cause I was 100%. the same at 23, 24. I became a head coach and, Ultimately, it definitely wasn't the success I would have wanted for myself. But because Donovan asked me this, Donovan goes, how do you know what you know today about receivers and routes and different things like that coming from an offensive line background? And I told him, you have to throw yourself to the fire. You are going to fail. You are going to do good things. But when you look back through it, I can't say I'm the same coach now if I didn't throw myself into that fire. I don't even mean to jump into that, but like I think that's a great point for people who are maybe on the fence about doing something. Whatever the opportunity is, you got to look at in the end game where you're going to be as a coach down the road. No doubt. No doubt. It, it was it's the greatest thing that could have happened to me. 
um, because it forced me to clarify a lot of my values as a coach, like really early on. And I think the biggest thing, you know, that stands out to me in finding success in those early years is, is really humility. Um, because you, like you said, you know, nothing. And so you have to be really open to new ideas. You have to be, I can't tell you how many times, like I actually told my team, I was sorry for certain things the, those first few years. Cause I'm like, man, I, I screwed that up. Um, and, and I, you know, we ended up <clears throat> in one of those years, we ended up losing a state championship game to a team we had beat by like 20 something earlier in the year. And it was literally, you know, I cost the team the game because I didn't fix a problem that was going on in the field with our scheme that was easily fixable, but I just didn't know. I didn't know any better. And so there are things that look back, you can look back and you can cringe and you can be like, man, like I could have had a state championship. Those kids could have had a state championship and we didn't get it done. Um, or you can say, Hey, I'm going to learn from that experience. And I'm going to keep marching forward. And I think that, you know, it all comes back to having that growth mindset. And I think in order to have a growth mindset, you have to be willing to be your harshest critic, but not in a way that's self-defeating, but in a way that's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to every off season, I'm going to continue to master this craft and get better and better. And, and usually you can only pick one or two things to work on in the off season, but you are going to, if you like truly commit to those things, you're going to be better year over year and, you know, compound, compound interest, man. It, it just, it gains steam over time when you're learning every year. And I think players respond to that. I think today's players more so than ever respond better relationship wise. If you admit to your mistakes and you own it in front of the group as a man, and not only does it help your team, but it helps them as future men being able yeah. to see that example and model hey, I, I made a mistake and I owned it and I'm going to get better for it. I want you guys to know. And, uh, you know, this generation doesn't do with the it's my way or the highway. No. Uh, no. That's how it has to be. I think you're going to do leaps and bounds better when you have that type of approach. And, uh, that's great, man. No, 100%. And and I, it has to be relationships first with the kids and nowadays. It's not you cannot go in there and just do your own program and run your own stuff. Gotta get them to trust you. Hey, yeah, let's absolutely. get into the, let's get into the, the most famous segment that has become <laughs> a crowd favorite, the pick six segment. Mm -hmm. uh, Donovan, explain it, and let's get going. So, pick six segment, coach. We this started a couple weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, maybe. We're gonna throw you six random questions, right? You didn't right. see these before, right? They range from a lot of different topics. Rapid fire. You give us your gut feeling on each of these. All right, you ready? Let's do it. First one for me, what's the best sports movie of all time? Oof. And man. why is it Space Jam? One. <laughs> hey, you, you got a point there for sure. <laughs> best sports movie of all time. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for Field of Dreams. Okay. I was not expecting that one. I would not have either. If you build yeah. it, they will come, man. It's, it's, uh, it's all about vision. But I definitely say that all the time. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you, time, out, time out, time out, time out. Hey, just so you know, Coach, there's some youngins on this podcast. I Ryan, have you, you ever watched Field of Dreams? Obviously. <laughs> Such a lie. I can Why tell right now you have never watched it. You sound crazy. Next question. <laughs> Look, by your I, response, I know right you're now you've just, never You're mad because you're old, dude. You're going to text me tomorrow, and you're going to be like, I've never watched it. I can admit I've never seen it. Yeah, hey, it's, oh, it's worth a watch. Worth a watch. All right, next one. question I got. If you won the lottery, and I'm talking like the billion-dollar like Powerball that like you know, builds up yeah. for – months and months and months what's the first thing you buy a ranch in texas love it Ooh. love it perfect we talking cattle ranch coach hey it doesn't matter just some Something. land <laughs> all right out there all right sayers you're up all right now um mine are always the <clears throat> mine are always the best questions just so you know coach um here we go who is the best superhero of all time iron man like that one he's, that's he's, great, that's solid. he's relatable time out I, coach white is the biggest superhero fan in the world coach how that's, would you respond to this that is a great choice iron man's a great choice i'd say i don't think he agrees though no well if you look like recently robert downey jr oh yeah i i can rock with that mine personally 
probably Iron Man or Captain America, but only because sure. of yeah. those two actors doing it. See, my my fun. son would kill me if I didn't pick Iron Man. He's an Iron Man fanatic, so I got it. I got to go with my guy. There we go. There we go. Um, Captain America is definitely mine. That's that's mm-hmm. number one. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and my son has his little Captain America toy. I make it. I make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you rather, Coach, uh, know when you're dying or how you're dying? Um, what is it? Warren Buffett said, uh, "I, I want to know. <clears throat> I want to know where I'm going to die and avoid that place at all costs, or something like that." <laughs> so you're going to um, say when? Or, or I would how? say I'd say when. I want to know. I want to know. Uh, I want to know how much time I got and make the most of it. That's a good way. I, I think I would go that too. Uh, that's such a so morbid. Hey, <laughs> that's the most morbid one sorry, we've ever had. Like at summer school, we were talking to the kids about that. I love it, man. It's cra- I, you know what the inspiration behind these questions is crazy. I can't tell you how many times lately now my wife and I are just hanging out and talking over the show and what's going on and. You know, I've involved her in some of these questions too, and, and she talks about it and answers them, or we've talked and it spurred into a question. So, Coach, what is your biggest pet peeve? What what's one of your biggest pet peeves? Biggest pet peeve is when you throw the first slant on double slant. You never throw the first slant on double slant. Okay, all right, I, I agree with you. That it always gets rocked. You know, either gonna, someone's gonna get hurt. Someone's gonna get picked off. I'm with you. I want to. That's I fresh s- on my mind. We were just, we were just doing it. So. All right. It's a foot. <laughs> he went football. I'm gonna go <laughs> non-football. Wet socks. I. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. If we're going, socks. if we're going non-football. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll play this game. If we're going non-football. Um, let's see. I would say. Um, this doesn't happen very often, but I've had it happen. When people set out, and this mostly happens in other countries, when people set out um, an ashtray next to the pepper, and they kind of look similar, and you go for ashtray on whatever you're eating, and it is not a great experience. Uh-huh. One of the worst experiences I've ever had. Did you did you see the way he slid that in there? This man's cultured. He goes, uh-huh. you know, when you travel the world, <laughs> you know, look at him. Boys, yes, what are your right. pet peeves? I want to hear them. People who ride their bikes, I almost said in the middle of the street, but I'll be honest, anywhere on the street. I don't Fair. Yeah. go I, I go on the sidewalk. I know it's against the rules. Go on the sidewalk. Don't block the cars. If you're doing that for like a race or charity, I get it. If you're doing it just to work out, pick a different way to work out, especially not when I'm driving to work. Go for you a run like, in your neighborhood. You don't like cyclists. Like, yeah, like don't disrupt the flow of traffic just so you can get your spe- your special little exercise. Go on a <laughs> treadmill, go to the go to the gym. Like you're such an angry person. Dude, that I cannot tell you. I'll be driving to work and there's someone in the middle of the, the two-lane road riding their bike. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It's rough. Sayers, come on. My biggest pet peeve is absolutely when one of my coaches or my players ask me. If we have practice, when we have practice or anything, when I have the band app, that literally you click on it and it gives you the schedule. It gives you a post for me every day. If you're just too lazy to follow that. Time out, time out. Did you just did you just plug band? Band ain't a sponsor on the show. There ain't no No free shout shout outs for band. Come on now, baby. There ain't no free shout outs on here. Hey, we get we better call them because they better hey, call band because there ain't no free shout outs. I mean, some of us use band on our staff, times, so you're shouting it out a lot. Okay. Nope. It's a great app. All right, coach. My, my wife and I balanced back and forth on this last question, and I, I nixed her. What's your theory on Bigfoot? Is he real or not real? <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you as a kid, this is phenomenal. Big, Bigfoot fascinated me. I used uh-huh. to always think Bigfoot was real or we could find him. What do you think, coach? I, I think I think perception is reality. If you if you want Bigfoot to be true, I think he can be true to you. Like Santa Claus. Sure. I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna tell someone Santa Claus doesn't exist. He's saying it's kind of on them to say not real, coach. Just stand behind it. You said not (laughs) real. Okay, all right. I got it. We're cool. Now, I'm gonna add a special seventh question. This is my wife's. We balance this back and forth. I guess this is a big Texas debate. So after the pick six, you got a field goal then. That's cool. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. So um 
if you had to pick Whataburger or in and out Oh, I mean, Whataburger. Without All a right. I guess this is a big Texas debate. We don't have either. I mean, you got well, In-N-Out is is a one-trick pony. Whataburger, you can get whatever you want whenever you want. You can get breakfast. I mean, okay, see, it's, uh, it's a no-brainer. I'm gonna earn some points with the lady. All right, I love it, man. That was great. I we had an extra one. I love it. Bigfoot's real. <laughs> love that. All right, let's get into the first official topic for Sayers All Gas Awards. All right, Ryan, kick it off. This is obviously my favorite part of the show right here. So, Coach, as you know, the saying, all gas, no breaks, that's my favorite saying in the world. So we have this segment. What we're going to ask you today is, what is your favorite moment from watching an NFL or college football game? Or you could say one for each like Donnie Mack's going to do. Had to do it. So am I am I up first? Yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. you're the you're, you're the star of the show. Let's go. Like, All right. So in my house, you would eat first too. There you go. Can't can't beat it. So when I was uh when I was a kid, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and uh grew up a Penn State football fan. I'm sorry, Columbus. Um, but I'll never forget going to uh oh, there you go. That's where Stout played. So I oh there you go. I was wondering if I was like, is that a Penn State or a Wake jersey? I was trying to figure that out. It's kind of similar. Um, so, uh, anyway, so I was in, uh, probably elementary school and I went to a whiteout night game against Nebraska. It's the year Larry Johnson rushed for 2000 yards. It was like the stadium was shaking. It was insane. And I think like we can all point to these moments when we fell in love with football. And that was like, this is the only thing I want to do the rest of my life. It was like, it was electric. So, uh, so you were there. I was there. I, I think my dad scalped tickets off some random Nebraska fan and we, uh, we slid in there. We were surrounded by uh, by the big red, but we were just going going buck wild. It was it was awesome. That's a really cool perspective because none of us went with a game we went to. I like how oh, there you go. Okay, and that is a wild environment. So I, that, wild. that's a, that, that's cool to me. It's wild. I, I'll go next, man. Yeah, and show I'll, your age in this one, coach. I you stole. <laughs> this, I literally. This is brutal. I had to look this up. Oh come on! I was, like, I was like, damn. 30 minutes ago, I'm laying in bed with my wife. I'm finishing this. And, and I said, I'm really showing my age here, babe. <laughs> I went with the 2003 Fiesta Bowl Oof. of Ohio State versus Miami. Now, they have no idea about this, all right? But there was so much hype surrounding that game, and there was so much talent in that game, all right? I'm going to spit this at you guys, right? So, obviously, for those that don't know, Ohio State won in double overtime. Of the 43 starters, I think, you know, you add in the special teams or special packages, 37 went on to be drafted in the following NFL drafts. I mean, you name it, right? Who was in there? You had uh, A.J. Hawk, Carpenter. You had Winslow. You had uh, all the guys on Miami. uh, Sean Taylor, Frank Gore. Sean Taylor. uh, Who's the other? Who's the running back? Wilson McGahee. Frank Gore was on that team too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, but he was that was young. a two-headed horse. He was yeah. young. So it's crazy the amount of talent was in a game, right? Um, and it was such a storybook game where it was back and forth and you go into two overtimes. And I'm not going to lie, today during lunch, I hopped on YouTube and I pulled up some highlights and watched it again. But what stood out, to, I had no – I couldn't remember. I was younger. I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school. I had no – Stop it. I was I had, five years old. <laughs> Stop it. I was seven. I, I forgot how many turnovers there was in that game. Yeah. I forgot how tight of a game it was. Because, I mean, it was tight all the way up on really until, until overtime. But I forgot how many turnovers there was. And, and to me, I just remember being in my I, – I take it back to where I was. I was sitting in, you know – my family had a big party for it. All my dad's friends were there. A young kid. It goes to that double overtime. Willis McGay, he got hurt, if I remember right, his ACL and everything. Just it was if you could write a movie script, it could be that game. And, and that's mm. the game that stands out to me. PI or no PI? Oh, it was PI. 
has to. Oh, on the on the pass interference. Yeah. Ooh. Pi pi for sure. In today's <laughs> game, pi. I think it was a pi. What do you think, Coach? It was close. It was close. It was a late flag. Definitely yeah. a late flag. I think my PI. my dad was at that game, and he said that before that flag came out, there was so much time in between that the that the fireworks went off for the color of Miami. A banner went up on the TV said, congratulations, Miami Hurricanes, your 2003 national champions. That's and, hilarious. And then flag comes out. Um, wow. For me, I had to go one of each and partially because Sayers and I are kind of on the same page with college, but college, I won't get too far into it, but I'm a huge Buckeye fan. Um, has to be 2014 when they beat Alabama. Huge underdogs, third string quarterback, I was a huge Buckeye fan before that was really into him, but that game just drove off what seemed to be this kind of Ohio state program now and was a huge leaping point for them. So wild game, but NFL wise, this is what drove my fandom as a Washington Redskins fan was 2012 RG three's rookie year. They play, they're on this hot streak. They're fighting for the division. They play the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving day, 2012, RG3 lights him up for like five touchdowns, no picks. I think he has more touchdowns than he has incomplete passes, like 350 yards passing. And that was right around the time where I really started to – I always watch Redskins games with my dad and everything, and I watched him lose to the Patriots for years and years and the Cowboys for years on years. But that game cemented my love for the Redskins and my hatred for the Cowboys, and that's what sprung, springboard. And then, of course, the season and all that happened and didn't – go too well for RG3 and the rest of the team in the end, but it was still a great game. Can we pause right there for a second? I want to hear mm -hmm. Coach's take on this. If you go back to that year, do you remember how hot the pistol offense was in those mm -hmm. couple of years surrounding oh, yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Coach, you've watched a lot of film. Why was it such a flash pan success? I, I mean, I think um... – I don't know this for sure, but I do think that the pistol, the timing of it is just a little tougher in the NFL. That's my personal opinion. I think getting under center or running from the gun makes a little bit more sense. Um, and I think, I mean, no one adapts faster than NFL defenses. So even when you go back right. and look at like when the wildcat took off, it was like it lasted half a season and then everybody squashed it. So I think people just figure it out. They copycat on offense, but they copycat even more on defense. And yeah. I think the timing of the pistol, and they didn't run RG3 as much after that year, so took one of the threats away. I think that was a piece. Because around that same time, you had Kaepernick too, right? It was mm -hmm. in that yeah. same area of time, it was like the For pistol sure. lit up the NFL. And it was like what you said. It almost felt like defensive coordinator slammed the door shut and said, we ain't leaving yeah. until we figure this out. I think it was a big piece. Yeah. So I don't mean to interrupt, but it just made me think about that. For me, it has to be the 2014 Buckeyes game, no doubt. I was in college that year. That was like my first year in Columbus when we were on campus. Mm. It was it was great. And um, in high school, when I was a junior, Billy Price was a senior. Um, and so obviously seeing him do his thing that night like was great. And he had that lead block at the end of the game that, uh, that busted Zeke out. Um, which was obviously great to see for him. Um, and then just like we had a player, Perez Bryant, he was on our team and they, he went to Blenville. So he, <clears throat> and he was, he graduated with Cardell. <clears throat> and so we, I would see Cardell Jones too. And he never was playing. And then I don't know where he goes and wins the national championship, which was crazy. Like unbelievable that I was like right next to the dude, but then he wasn't a star. He was a third string guy. He Kind of just kicking, you know what I mean? They're kind of just doing whatever. And then I don't know where he goes and wins the national championship, um, goes to the NFL. So that's great for him. Um, but that that night was a blast. Uh, I don't really remember it too vividly. I had to watch the uh, – I had to watch some uh, highlights for that. But, uh, but, but it was great. And then since Donnie added an NFL one, the NFL one I'm going to add is when um, the Browns won the Super Bowl this year. Jesus. Oh, man, you keep plugging that. I love it. But that's what showed my age. I'm laying in bed. I told my wife, I'm like, both these dudes put the 2014 game <laughs> and I put the 2003 game. You were but, probably hey. sleeping on the 2014 game by then. <laughs> Stop. I watched the whole thing. In early. No, you didn't. 
I still, hey, I actually so, stole so, my neighbor's. So fun fact just, about that sugar bowl. Fun fact about that sugar bowl. I was uh, not a very good college football player, but um, I was, I guess, a nice enough guy that I got on the uh, All State Good Works team. And I was actually there in New Orleans for that game. It was wild. Oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah. I'll tell was you it what. Crazy? It was nuts. No Ohio really, State fan. Surprisingly, more Ohio State fans are than you would have thought. Right? It, it was, yeah, it was rocking. I, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed. I tell you what, I would not have made the All State Good Works team because following that game, the morning I came out, I had one of those apartments where everybody was in the same area, and you walked out, and then like there was your like uh, mailbox boxes. I stole somebody's paper that day. Uh, I would not have made the All State Good team. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> You ever figure it out? I, I owe you like two bucks. My bad. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Stout, thank you for showing us your age and us with the new age uh, college football memories. Let's get into the second topic and the final topic for this evening. Man, so like I said, like if you're a follower of this show, I would say 90% of you already know who this guy is. And I just want to thank Coach for coming on. Uh, Coach Dan Casey, CoachDanCasey.com. He's got his Play Callers Club. He's got his one play a day. He's got his ultimate guides. And Coach, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done, like you said, to help grow and educate our game. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think this is a time to be alive as a coach and utilizing social media and talking with other coaches and seeing what people are putting out. It's fantastic. But you've just come off your fourth installment of the ultimate guides, right? And you just did your empty offensive football. And we just want to dive into that. And I guess the rest of the show is going to be where we take it, but definitely diving into empty and to lead it off. No, but listen, he has to chill. I, I call the defense, coach. Mm-hmm. Listen, you're giving too – you're doing a lot because I see a lot of empty in the city. you got to sure. stop because I don't know if they're getting it from you or whatever. Like, if they're getting – they're probably getting nuggets from you for sure. So, I call the defense. I, I hate the empty. Empty's – Hey, we'll get more defensive guys on here when you step it up and you mm-hmm. bring some more guests on the show. So, um we could help you could help us out get get oh, something man. Out. So I, I, sorry that sorry i worry I'm, I'm the head coach you're just the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. i'm also i also have Ooh. a kid just like you one kid just like you you don't work summer school so all right go ahead though sorry thank you you should have signed that contract for week exactly. three that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> all right coach what'd you discover or learn from this latest deep dive and ultimate guide Man, so a little bit of background on the ultimate guides. Um, you know, one of the things that I've come across in the football coaching world is a lot of people will package together kind of a system, um, which is really valuable. Like, you know, I I actually played for I played for Matt Mummy at Davidson, who's Hal Mummy's son. We ran like true blue air raid, um, learned a lot from that experience, played for uh Mike LaFleur, who's now the OC for the Rams, and he ran kind of West Coast pro-style stuff, learned a lot from that, playing defense against that system. And so, I, like, I, I love systems. I also recognize that um, a lot of coaches, especially in high school, don't have the luxury of kind of plug-and-playing a particular system. They're really having to tailor what they do to the personnel. Um, and, again, some of the bigger schools can get away with it. Um, some of the smaller schools can't. Um, but I also I, I think I resisted this urge to label myself as, oh, I'm an air raid guy. Oh, I'm a spread option guy. I'm a this, that or the other. I'm, I'm an offensive guy. And I think I have a healthy respect for a lot of different types of offenses and how they can be successful in the game. And so, you know, I, all of my study kind of begins and ends in the option world and trying to figure out if, you know, if an option team is doing something, it's probably sound football and can be applied to other areas of football. Um, so I start there and kind of move out from, from that place. But in studying so much football, I realized that there was a need in the coaching world to be able to apply a particular concept to a variety of offenses. So, you know, I thought, 
the best way to start was with the counter play because it really has a home in any offense, no matter, no matter what system you're running, you should run counter. It's just a phenomenal play. And so I really just through all my study, tried to pull together the, again, the kind of a curated group of concepts that you could, you could apply to your offense. I'm not trying to tell you what to run on offense. I'm just giving you an idea of how different people do different things. And so the counter book, I think people really appreciated just being able to pull those nuggets into their offense. The next book was a screen book. And I know screens aren't nearly as sexy as counter and mesh or anything like that, but I think uh, a deep understanding of the screen game can just allow you to access all this hidden yardage all over the field. And so even though it wasn't, um, you know, you know, it's probably not the first thing you think of for an ultimate guide, but I really felt like um, it, it could open some things up for coaches. And so the next one was really, I was really trying to get into the pass game and the protection world. And that was when I, when I dove into to mesh, that was kind of the, the latest project. And then with this most recent one with empty, I think what I realized is um, depending what offensive system you run, empty is like a shortcut to get the ball to your best player. Like that's really at the end of the day, that's what it is. You can do it through quick game. You can do it through QB run game. You can do it through jet sweeps, rocket toss, all these different things. There's so many different applications um, out of empty, but it really spreads the defense out, allows you to get a good look at what they're doing, simplifies the defensive game plan because, you know, as we know, usually you're carrying a limited menu versus empty. And so you get a tend to get a bead on, what the defense is trying to do. They may zero blitz you. They may drop eight. They may play their base. They may, you know, roll coverage. You just, you'll get an idea and then you can start to work off of that. And so that, that was ultimately what it, what it came down to. It's not the ultimate guide to pro style, empty pass game. It's really the ultimate guide to how do you get your best player, the ball as quickly as possible and let him go make plays. And I'll, I'll say, like, I, I, I had the screen book, and I loved it. I, I agree with you that I think anybody that got an ultimate guide will find a nugget that helps them. You know what I mean? For Whether sure. it is – you might find something that is completely like, hey, we are not there. Like, that doesn't totally. fit our personnel totally. or whatever. I yeah. think the cool thing about the ultimate guides is the fact that there are so many nuggets in there you're going to find something that's going to fit your team or fit your personnel or your playmakers, or it's going to open your idea where, Hey, that kind of works, but I could tweak this a little bit. And there's a oh, huge variety okay. in there. Um, you, you brought up a really great, I, a great segment for me. This is kind of what I want to get to. So we run empty and I've seen a change here a lot in Columbus over the years where it used to be when we would go empty or, or the flavor, I should say, Teams would play very vanilla, very too high, very soft yep. coverage, keep it in front of you, whatever. And the thought process has changed now. And now teams 100%. are going to try to plus one you in the box, overload it, yep. and blitz it, and try to get the ball out quick. Yep. From your study or your time, this is selfish. Go for it. Let's go. W what's an answer? Like, what, what, what did you find as a good answer to that? So I think ah, the best out. I'm coming. We're zero. the crazy thing is to watch the shift. A lot of people this do. Has been a this has been a shift. I yep. would say in the last three years. Hundred percent. No, you're absolutely right. And that's where I think the defenses are smart to do that, uh, but they're also creating a lot of vulnerability if you're willing to adjust your formations. The biggest mistake that empty teams make is generic three by two formations. And just like they're always going to roll it out three by two basic splits. You know, our hashes are a little different because we play uh, we play NCAA field spacing. So I know your hashes may look a little different. I don't know what it looks like in Ohio, but, you know, you're going to split the end man the line of scrimmage in the the hash hash and numbers and numbers or, you know, something ver generic like that. And so the goal initially with empty is to create spacing for the secondary. The answer to that is, hey, let's zero you. Let's let's bring six double mug. Let's do, you know, the Brent Venables Miami pressure where he squeezes all the gaps. And then if you block them, they come, or if you block them, they drop. If they, you know, if, if they're free runner, they run, um, it, it kills empty teams. Now the best advice I heard from this was really Frank Reich was talking about this when he, he got the, the Panthers job. He said the 
in the NFL, everyone's running the same pass concepts, which is more or less true for high school, college. All of us are doing similar stuff. All he of said us. The, the biggest difference is sophistication and pass protection. He said the difference between a really elite NFL offense and a you know kind of middle tier, obviously you have elite traits at quarterback, but the other thing is is the sophistication and pass protection. And you know, I got to spend some time with some NFL guys recently, and one of the things they talked about is you have to mix up your protections. It's not enough to just be sound on the board. You have to you have to create different looks for the offense in the same way that the defense wants to create different looks for us. And so in terms of the best empty answers, I think it's it's a variety of formations in empty. So a big one is, you know, three by two bunch with condensed splits. And so basically what you're doing is um, you're keeping players closer to the box. And so what a lot of NFL teams will do is, yes, they're empty, but they'll essentially get into seven man protection with double chip. So they'll double chip the ends and then be able to release on more of an intermediate or deeper pass concept. And that's where high schools, high school coaches tend to get in trouble and empty is that they they'll just default to quick game and then they'll get pressured with six and default to throwing hot. And it's it's kind of it, it basically just like neuters your empty game. Um, and so that's what I would say is the biggest leap forward in the NFL is you're seeing a lot of teams condense formations and chip protect. The other thing they'll do is they'll they'll actually bring either a receiver or a running back into the a gap if they're getting double mugged and turn it into six man protection out of quote unquote empty. And that's another that. great, great I've answer. I've seen that. I've seen that years ago. And that's always kind of been a in our hip pocket adjustment if we ever sure. needed it rather For than sure. especially in, in, in here in Ohio in a high school level he can't cut so to try right. to cut down that collision of running up and yeah, try to get one. that guy uh it's gonna it's great gonna condense the pocket it's gonna condense the pocket if even even if he does a really good job it's just gonna create a mess and and one of the things i'll say is that guy's not in the a gap just to pass protect like the goal is to get out on a route and so designing your concept where your running back can release through an a or a b gap and if anyone shows he's in in protection, but if nothing shows he's out in a, in a route. So you'll see a lot of NFL teams basically uh, cross the field. So you like underneath, they'll get like basically like a late mesh concept off the chip. And so the running backs involved in that late mesh and you're getting intermediate stuff in behind a lot of basics or da uh, digs and daggers in behind. So I think it really comes down to when you, when you're creating your empty game plan, I think you need concepts that attack the intermediate level. And you need to protect accordingly and design protections for the running back to ultimately get out in and, and five outs the goal. And that goes back to the West Coast offense, goes back to Eric Coriel. The goal in a pass game is to get five out. Um, and I think a lot of high schools are so nervous about five out, uh, like, you know, base, you know, five man pass protection that they don't ever get the back out. And I think you're just leaving a lot on the table if you're not getting your back out. Do you think they're nervous because it's hard to have? I mean, I mean, it's hard anywhere, but especially in high school, it's hard to have five offensive linemen. I mean, really four, but like five yes. offensive linemen who are each you be comfortable being like, all right, I'm go cool with leaving my left tackle and my right guard on an island by themselves. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, it is that is terrifying, and that's where I've become such a big fan of through this study chip protection. Uh -huh. Because you really are, you're not letting those defensive ends widen out and tee off. You're chipping. So, and really because the chip protection is happening in the C gaps and then you're getting release from that, um, it, it, they're not necessarily in the concept early. They're in the concept late. So it's almost yeah. like you have two, it's almost like you have two checkdowns in a way, but you're running an intermediate concept. And I think a lot of defenses struggle with intermediate and deep pass concepts out of empty because especially if they want a zero pressure, they are going to uh, probably be in man or some sort of fire zone and they're just going to get eaten up in anything deeper intermediate. But I think you need to build that in. If you if you live in quick game and QB run, you're going to get killed with pressure. I think intermediate's definitely where we struggle. Like our linebackers getting lost in some things, and uh, totally. if we're not getting home at D line, or um, and if our safety's not getting home on the blitz, like if we don't get home on that blitz, and, and there's a quarterback, it, it's gonna like some a lot of times in the city where I'm at, there's a there's a quarterback he's running. Most yep. of the time, he's yep. gonna be able to get up through, get out of the pocket, right? And so I feel like when I blitz, that's like my base thing. I always, when I have 
spy, we, we, we run a lot of spies as well. For sure. Um, yeah. We'll, when we're out there, we'll, we'll run it from our Leo, which is our hybrid DN, right? He'll right. just yep. middle. We'll have our other DN do we'll have our linebacker. It just depends different week to week stuff. But um, that's kind of like one thing that like we see a lot of, but like what up front, what I try to do too is I try to do a lot of stunts. Do you guys see yeah. a lot of stunts and movements from just the D line, not just necessarily yeah. blitz wise, but like the D lines? A ton, a ton. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, this is getting in the weeds a little bit with pass protection, but I think it's really important in empty and type of five man protection to take vertical sets in pass protection to be able to pass some of those stunts off. I think I've actually stopped using the word slide. Like we don't call it slide protection anymore. We call, we basically have a sort side and we have a sift side. So it's not man and zone. It's not um, half slide. And, you know, it, we don't, we don't use those words anymore because honestly everybody was just flying out of there and we were getting stunned to death and getting killed. And so we really decided to really create everything off a of vertical set uh, kind of, building block because we'd be able to pass things off because the stunts are really what give you a, a ton of trouble in empty as well because it's really designed to mess up qb draw or you know any any type of qb run game and that's why i think it's important you know if you're going to run a lot of empty to have a, a pretty decent menu of of run game options and so i tried to put a bunch of stuff in there that's you know almost like single wing type stuff and i think if you have a quarterback that can run and you can condense formations. I think formational variety is like the biggest hack to empty. Like, again, Dude. like I said, if you're just going to sit there in three by two and, and standard splits, you're going to get eaten up. Like defenses are good enough to eat you up in that. Uh, but if, if you're, you're just battle, running different stuff, it's, it's a struggle on defenses for us. And, 100%. And, and what I'll do sometimes if, we, if I see a team running a lot of that quarterback power, we'll, we'll yes. see a lot yeah. of uh, jet out of it but yep. q power also like yep, q3, we, we see that a ton in the city yep. and that it's brutal i'm not gonna lie there's a lot of times it's brutal if they come out in a bunch of different formations as well yeah um we play one team at whitehall um they come out in stupid amount of formations and it always yep. blows our kids minds yes. all, no matter what <laughs> it's the same plays the it's same, the same exact plays. Yeah, oh, that's the, it's brutal though. Yeah. And I think if you, if you have a quarterback that can run, you can present it in a lot of different ways. I'm just such a big fan of condensed splits and empty because you can really quickly get from a five out pass concept to like a QB pin and pull into the boundary. And all of a sudden it's like, well, dang, like, okay, zero blitz that, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get hammered. So I think that's that's no, the biggest the thing. the game nowadays too. <laughs> Coach, I got I just got a quick question. Uh, you talked a lot about protection. Um, do you use a separate protection when you're in empty versus say your ten personnel other type of stuff? So everything we do from a protection standpoint is built off of a five man protection, and then we just layer in additional so we don't you'll rarely see us like full slide stuff or you know obviously we have like boots and nakeds and different things like that and that's just in a different family um but yeah everything's built off of a five-man protection so that we feel really comfortable and empty and you know i, I was i was talking to a college coach kind of recently and he was talking about how even their six-man protection like that as a coaching staff they'll refer to it as five and a half man protection because the goal is always to get the back out would you so say your protection matches kind of that vertical set, Tony Franklin vertical drop stuff? To a to a degree, um, yeah. I think I think it's a you know it's it's a mixture of um, it's really I would say maybe like more pro style in the way it's taught in that um, it's basically like three the three offensive linemen to the sort side or the slide side are responsible for three. And then the two linemen are responsible for technically three because they're, they sift, they sift it out. So if a backer comes, they would squeeze and we'd be hot off the defensive end. If a backer, uh, if a backer came and a defensive end dropped out, like we'd squeeze that down, you know, it's, it's things kind of like that. We run a lot of mesh too. So we get five out and, you know, sometimes you'll see teams like peel the defensive end with the, the rail route out of the backfield and, 
we want to be able to handle that protection as well and not just be blind. So I think the biggest thing we stress is, is give yourself time to communicate. And that's kind of why we push the vertical set. Um, because if you're getting in, if you're getting engaged too quickly, that's when the stunts really, I think, start to mess with you a lot. I've seen some of that, uh, that squeeze from Ed Warner. I've seen it a little, little yeah, totally. On the totally. Internet. He, he's talked a lot about it. So, um, who do you think right now, like if, it, if somebody wanted to dive more into empty and you've spent a lot of times looking at a lot of, I know from your guides, it's a lot of college and NFL teams for sure. What are some of the teams utilizing empty the best right now? Like if we wanted to find out more and dive in deeper, who's doing it the best? Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, at the, there's everybody does it a little differently and, uh, and creatively. And there's things I could point to that certain teams I think do better than others in terms of, you know, specific teams that I think you should look at. Um, I would definitely say, you know, 2022 Oregon, Kenny Dillingham was the OC. He's at Arizona state. Now they did some great stuff with Bo Nix. And I think having Bo Nix who's mobile um, they, they honestly like lived in empty. If you go back and watch that Oregon state game, I mean, I dang near, 50% of the snaps felt like they were an empty and they just did a lot of different stuff, intermediate, quick game, QB run. I mean, it's just all over the board in the NFL. You're not going to see nearly the QB run game stuff, but you're going to see a lot more complexity and protection and pass concept. So like 2021 Rams, obviously they won the Super Bowl, but really I, I think what people underestimate is how much McVay shifted the offense to fit the skill set of Matthew Stafford, he can live in empty. Like he's a guy that can live in empty. Joe Burrow can live in empty. Uh, you see the Bengals in empty all the time. But again, they're not, they're doing it a little, maybe a little differently than a college team would or a high school team would because of, because they have receivers with elite traits that can win one on one. So it's hard to match that. And uh, they're also not going to run their quarterback. So, you know, I think you see more nuances in protection because they don't run the quarterback. I think the answer that a lot of college teams will have is, okay, shoot, we'll just, we'll just run the quarterback. Um, another team that I think does a phenomenal job in empty is uh, Wake Forest. Um, they, they're super underrated in everything they do. Um, but when they had um, John Wolford, this is several years ago, 2016, 2017, they were just doing some unbelievable stuff with Q pairing QB run game with screens, empty quads, just they were all over the place. And so that'll give you a good picture of what, uh, multiple formations, simple plays kind of looks like. I think that's a, it's a great, I think Wake Forest is a great example of, of kind of that principle for sure. And, and flipping sides. I, I know as we get into your play callers club and you dive into a whole bunch of other stuff, um, you know, what do you think are some of the hottest offenses teams should look at outside of just empty? Like who do you love to study? Like for me, I'll be honest, like for me, this offseason, I watched a ton of uh, 49ers, Shanahan stuff, sure. seeing yeah. how they used both Debo and Christian McCaffrey, you know, because yep. I was envisioning yep. some of our personnel. Who, who is something that you've really dived into and like? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's another great question. I It's tough for me to narrow it down because I'm just so – into this i just i could i could go down any rabbit hole at any time um, i think you know for me personally now that i've started to get some get to know some guys i think i really am drawn to kind of like the overall kind of philosophical approach um this is kind of a unique one but um he's gonna be at wisconsin next year phil longo i think does a really amazing job and i think um everybody was a little bit confused as to how that would work at a place like Wisconsin that's really not known for, for his kind of four vert style. Um, but he is, he's a coach's coach, man. Like I think he's going to do a really good job. Um, I think they do some of the best stuff out there with route adjustments and switch releases and um, everything's kind of built off of four verts, which I think is just, it's really um, aesthetically pleasing um, to watch a team like run an offense based off of four verts. There's just so many, so many cool things that they can do. Um, so I think he does a great job. I think it really all hinges on the quarterback. If they're a good quarterback, they're, they're lights out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of all over the board, man. I, I, there's certain coaches I really like the way they run the football, certain coaches I really am drawn to the way they throw the football. 
um, some coaches, I just love their philosophy and the way they, they coach. So I, it's, it's cool to be kind of this deep in it because you just get to watch so much good football. And um, I've been fortunate enough to connect with a lot of people too. So just, just get a lot of insight, which has been awesome. I'm excited. You said Wisconsin, man, you, you touched, you touched about it. I'm excited to see, you know, if you think about what, fickle did at cincinnati it was a spread no offense doubt. and no i doubt. feel long yeah. was a hot offensive guy i'm excited for that i have just one last question i'll leave it to the guys to finish up if let's say you're talking to a younger offensive coordinator or anybody off inside of the ball you know give a couple things you think people should be doing this season or hard to stop concepts whether it's concepts nuggets What's a couple things you could share to everybody about, hey, if I were starting out or if I wanted to have a lot of success, I'd be doing this. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I I think one of the best things you can do um, as an offensive coordinator, especially a young coordinator who's kind of figuring out the play calling structure and how you like to – how you see things, how you like things. Uh, You know, a lot of coaches will script, but I'm actually maybe a little bit more of a believer in sequencing. So – Basically, the idea would be that you you may have a script that you use early in the game, but later in the game, you have a sequence of plays that you've repped um, that one just goes right into the next. And so, um, you know, you may have your opening script with 10 or 15, but then later in the game, maybe in the third quarter, you have a sequence of, um, you know, a run play or a screen and then a pass play all packaged together. And the kids just know that as soon as this play ends, we're running this play. As soon as that play ends, we're running this play. And it's a good way to just kind of like kickstart your offense if you're if you're struggling. Some package together some plays that your kids are really confident in and that they can run one play after the other and get some some tempo. I think sometimes in, injecting some tempo, if it's not something you do all the time, is a, is a good way. Um, I think one of the most underrated things in all of football is um, – is not necessarily tempo between snaps, but tempo from the huddle to the line of scrimmage. Um, I think, I think coaches leave a lot on the table when they don't utilize kind of like muddle huddle type stuff. There's schools down here in Texas. Uh, they run the Texas slot T. So it's basically like a variety, a version of wing T, um, but they'll huddle and they will sprint to the line as fast as they can and snap the ball immediately. So you can't really identify formations and where guys are and everything hits so fast that, they're just tearing people up and they're definitely not the most physically talented teams on the field. So there's one coach, one team that does that here in Columbus. Oh yeah. High school. Who is it fun to play them? Do you like playing them? So no, listen, I have a funny story about that. We played them first game two years ago and we we're, we're, we weren't, we're not bad. We match up really well in the Columbus city games. Sure. Sure. We match up really well in those games. We got dominated <laughs> absolutely beat up the whole game we could not adjust i would never schedule it. now talk to me week seven week sure. eight you know when our kids are seeing you know we've already went through that we're already played in the shape um but it was unreal we i, I didn't it was crazy Man, we my, my first year down here in Texas, uh, we were in a little bit of a rebuild mode. We had lost some kids to college and and to transfers out, and we scheduled a slot T team. And I had no idea what it was. Like I I was brand new here. I'd never played anything like that. So we go to some East Texas town and we're playing a slot T team. And I swear to you, we were on the field offensively for like ten minutes the whole game. They just had the ball the whole game, and it was one of the most like anxiety producing things i've ever experienced as an offensive coordinator because i'm just like i, I don't I mean, you it just totally psychs you out because you're like it's i don't so know how to like realizing for a defense oh yeah but even it even messes with the oc because you're just like when are we going to be on the field what and you feel so much pressure to score and you just you do it, it messed you me do. up it i'll say it all up. the time anytime we see the wing tees the options yeah. the teams that can keep the ball away from you i try to tell our kids and our staff like hey like we have to be prepared. We have to be efficient. We got to score. We might get the ball five, six times sometimes. Right. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I feel if those first couple series don't lead the points, the anxiety builds. builds. No matter what either, too. Like, literally, I've been in games where they don't score. 
but they're still taking eight, eight minutes, seven minutes. No doubt. Yep. You know what I mean, you block the field, they miss the field goal. You're still like anxious to go down score. You're playing <laughs> no against the scoreboard. No doubt. But yeah, muddle huddle. You use it. It's a cheat code. Donnie Mac, you haven't asked a question. You, I feel like you're about uh, to fall asleep, big kid. No. No, I'm the young pup here, Coach. I, I don't know if they alluded to it. Coach Sayers and I are obviously the 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 young pups over here, but I this is my second year of coaching. Let's I'm go. 25. Love it. Uh, last year is my first year coaching, so I appreciate being able to soak up knowledge from Stout and Sayers every night, but from people like you when they come on the show. So for me, it's no it's it's a lot of like a fire hose, but but said I said that was sweet of him to say that. Stout <laughs> soak up knowledge from him. Sweet of him. That's not what he said a couple hours ago. <laughs> it's not what he was saying when we were getting drinks the other night. When we were all right, getting right. I love it. <laughs> I'm more sentimental on Wednesday nights. How about no that? doubt? <laughs> Sayers, wrap this thing up, man. Hey, coach, we appreciate you a ton. Um, we we couldn't, uh, you know, we can't even repay you for this. Like nobody in Ohio can't six one four area. We have a lot of listeners right now, a bunch of people following us, and it's been great. And every time we get somebody from a different area, Texas, it was awesome to see Coach Caduti last uh, last week. Now have you on the people. Everybody knows you guys on Twitter, obviously, uh, in the coaching world. So we appreciate you a ton. Um, and also our sponsor, Fundraising University. We appreciate those uh, those guys and Brent Maxwell. Um but make sure you guys go on to Coach Casey's website and you order his book. Make sure you guys go on there and get something from there. I know that I'm going to send all my stuff over to our offense coordinator too, and I know I'm going to dig into a little bit of the MP stuff because we run a lot of shotgun stuff. So um, I will be contacting him, hitting him up. But thank you again, Coach. We, we appreciate you, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. And, and I can say just as I, I wrap it up, man, I, I've I've been a buyer. I've I've been on the play callers club. I, I've got the ultimate guide to screens and things, the, the the detail. And like I said, I promise you, if you get it, you are going to get nuggets that are going to help you next season. And the crazy thing about this sport is sometimes you learn a nugget and you don't use a nugget for two, three years. No doubt. Uh, I yep. think about our playoff game and we fired off a nugget that led to mm -hmm. a touchdown last season. And it was a play mm -hmm. that we had scouted and sat on the year before and didn't run until then when the roads crossed each other. So, hey, if you go get this ultimate guy to empty, you're going to find something. So, Coach. I, I've been hitting you up. You're probably like, who's this dude that keeps tweeting at me and messaging I me? I love it. But in my opinion, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, baby. And I'm glad hey, you came coming, on. Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. I'm uh, terrible. At, I'm terrible at responding to stuff. I, I just uh, have a hard time taking it all in. But I appreciate nah, it. You're you're a busy man, man. This is this has been one of those like starstruck ones for me. But thanks for joining Six One Four Headsets. If you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple or Spotify or Google, whatever it is you do. Remember, our YouTube channel is at 614 Headsets. Give us some comments. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter uh, because we take a lot of your – believe it or not, we take a lot of your feedback that you guys text us and do and try to roll it back into shaping this young show. So, once again, Coach Hay, we, we wish you luck this next season. Congrats and thank you for everything you've done to grow this game. And uh, what a great night, man. I'm, I'm starstruck. That's appreciate great. it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks no. for having me. All right, everybody. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it, guys.